0: Thank you. As we, as we come to the end of the year, you know, we, we can't help it but reflect uh, upon the things that we have done over the year. Uh, we, we are led to reflect upon the things that we wanted to have done, but maybe we didn't do, whether for, for the lack of opportunity or for lack of courage. And we think about those things and we make new resolutions for the new year. And all of this is, is healthy, all of this is good. Uh, so, as we come to the end of this year, I'd like to bring a message today about something that will that will be uh, differentiating, right? That will be setting aside God's people now as we get close to the coming of Jesus. And this is a biblical uh, topic that we find in the Bible. It is the seal of God. So, the people of God who have a real relationship with him those who in the book of revelation chapter 14 verse 12 they're referred to as those who revelation 14:12 those who keep and have the the patience of Jesus right Those who keep the commandments of God. And their faith in Jesus. will have the faith of Jesus. So these people who are described as this. In the book of Revelation. They will have something distinctive. They will have a seal. Placed upon them. And what kind of seal is this? So I'd like to share some insights on this. This is not going to be. A, a, a thorough examination. Of what the seal of God is. But this will give us. Biblical and real insight upon this. We can study this over many studies, but this is going to be uh, enlightening if we follow what the Bible has. If we see what the Bible has to uh, to tell us about this. So, what is the seal of God? One thing we should uh, keep in mind is that the the word "seal" that we use in English "seal," uh, both in the Hebrew. And in the Greek, right, those were the languages the Bible was written in. Uh, there are some, just a few passages in the Bible that were originally written in Aramaic. But it's basically Hebrew and Greek. Both in Hebrew and in Greek, the word seal, it has the meaning of uh, of an imprint, of something that someone who has authority places upon something that is their property. So, the the seal... Uh, that was used in ancient times when a king, when a governor, when an emperor would place his seal, his imprint, uh, his uh, uh, signet upon something, that seal would describe, would have a description of the name of the person, would have the title of the person, and it would also have the domain, the territory over that, uh, which that person had authority upon. And it's the same thing then with the seal of God, because the word seal that was used to describe this imprint from ancient rulers is also the same word that is used to describe or to refer to the seal of God. So, we can only infer that the seal of God has his name, has God's title, and has his domain, has stated in it the territory over which God has his uh, dominion. Now the seal of God in this sense is this out, outward, this visible sign of an internal change. And we have learned from studying Bible passages that talk about the seal of God. That the seal of God is actually the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath. That for, uh, which for many people may have seemed to be uh, forgotten in the past. But no, it's alive and well. There are millions of Christians around the world that keep the seventh day Sabbath because it's the seal of God. We see, for example, in Ezekiel, if you have your Bibles, see with me, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, Ezekiel twenty twelve. We read, Moreover, I gave them also my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me that they might not know that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So God is clearly saying here that this Sabbath is a sign between him and His people, that His people might know that He is the Lord who set them, sets them aside, who sanctifies them. So God's eternal sign of loyalty is the seventh day Sabbath god's sabbath is the only one of the ten commandments we find in exodus 20 that has all of those characteristics it has god's name the bible says in exodus 28 to 11 that god is the lord your god he says i am the lord your god has god's name in it god says that in six days he made the heavens and the earth so it tells exactly who god is his title he is the creator of everything we know and it also describes god's territory because it says the fourth commandment says the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them so this is god's territory this is god's dominion it's the whole universe everything that we know and everything that we we even don't know because we haven't gone there yet it says that it is God's dominion. It's God's territory. So the, the, the commandment that the talks about the Sabbath. Describes clearly God's name. His title. And His territory. This can also be found in Revelation 14.7. Very close to where we were. In uh, Revelation 14.12. Now we go to Revelation 4.7. 14.7 I'd rather say. And we see there. Language that is actually borrowed from the Old Testament. Because we see, And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, Because the hour of his judgment has come, And worship him who made heaven and earth, The sea and the springs of water. So right there we see God's imprint. We see God's signet. He is the Lord our God. He is the creator. And his dominion is the heavens and the earth. And everything that he has ever created. Now there is another thing in the Greek and the Hebrew word seal. That we should be aware of. It also represents the very act of sealing. right? So seal represents not only the imprint of the person who has authority. But the very act of sealing. And we see this. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, 34, we read there, "...is not this laid up in store with me, and sealed up among my treasures? treasures?" So, the very act of sealing up something is also described in the Bible, is also represented in the Bible by the word seal. We see, for example, when uh, David was thrown into the, the lion's den, and there was a big stone that was rolled up and, and used to seal the den, right? So then it would be there and would not be able to escape. And on top, right on top of that stone, the king came and put his seal there, his imprint. So we see both things right there. So that if someone, uh, Someone would, for example, during the night pass by well, the lion's den and would be tempted. And if Daniel, well, the Bible doesn't say that Daniel was screaming and afraid, but if Daniel was there, help me, help me, take me out of here. They would never dare remove that stone because it had the king's imprint, the king's signet right there. So the act of sealing up and putting one seal on, on, the, on, on the thing is represented in the Bible by this word seal. And it's the same thing in English, isn't it? We we have the seal, the imprint, and we also have the act of sealing up. Now, sealing up something involves at least three things, right? It involves the seal itself or the lid or the cover. It involves the recipient. It involves the contents, right? You know, I don't live in the country, not yet. But I know that when you live in the country, there is something that many people do, even in the city, which is canning, canning food. And when you can food, you put the contents inside the recipient and you seal it up, right? So why do we seal things up for? Why do you seal the recipient up? What for? To preserve the contents, right? To make sure it doesn't go bad. So it is it is the same it is the same in our spiritual relationship. We have the recipient, what would be the recipient? It would be us, right? You have the seal of God on top of it and you have the contents. So what's the contents that you want to protect, that you want to preserve? Right? Something is put inside the recipient that is worth of being protected of being sealed up and that's what god is willing to do that's the same thing when it comes to to the seal of god he will seal up something he will seal up some sort of content and we're going to get there you see uh many people may have not understood our approach to the seal of god i said in the beginning that the seal of god is the sabbath is the is the seventh day sabbath but we see here that in the process of sealing up something, there is the, the cover, there is the seal, which would be the seventh-day Sabbath. But there is also the recipient, with, which would be us. But there is the contents, right? It doesn't make sense to seal a, a recipient that is empty. Well, it may make sense for something, but uh, it makes really sense if you put something inside the recipient, and then you seal it up to preserve it. So, what's the contents? What is sealed? And when I said that we may have been misinterpreted, we may have been misunderstood, is because the sealing, the seal of God involves both the seal, the Sabbath, but also the act of sealing up. And this is what we need to be uh, attentive to, because we need to understand that the mere observance of Sabbath The mere observance of the the Seventh-day Sabbath. Does not guarantee that you are really being sealed with the right contents. Do you see this? So maybe if from the Bible we are able to determine. The character of those who are going to be sealed. We may then understand what is the contents that's being sealed. We may be able to understand what the contents is. And that's where we get here to to our text today. Because we see some people say, no, uh, the seal of God cannot only be the seventh day Sabbath. There must be something. And actually, the Bible says that the sealing is an act of the Spirit. So, like I said, some people may have misunderstood it, when we say that the seal of God is the seventh day Sabbath. Because they say, well, we are just then replacing the work of the Holy Spirit, with the observance of of a day of the week. So we are replacing what the Spirit was supposed to do in your life. With the observance of a day we, you kept. So is this how we see it? Is this how we believe? Let's see from the Bible. I, I should tell you what front that this is not true. This is not how we see it. This is not how at least we should believe. And we should learn from the Bible. But we see... Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and if you have your Bibles, you can go with me there. Ephesians 4, 30. The Apostle Paul says that the Holy Spirit has an essential role in the sealing. Ephesians 4, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, yes, the Holy Spirit has a great work in the sealing of God's people. It is through, it is by the Holy Spirit that God's people will be sealed. Uh, you can also go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. I, I believe this is the passage. I don't have it written down here. Yes, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood. So it is the Holy Spirit, it is through the work of the Holy Spirit, that God's people will be sanctified, will be made holy. But how can we put those both things together? How can we identify God's seal as being the Seventh-day Sabbath? And with the text in the Bible that say that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's see. Go back now to 2 Timothy. That's our scripture text for today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. And here the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he'll give us practical insight on what it is to be sealed. What it is the work of sealing up the people of God. 2 Timothy 2:19 it says, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. So Paul is going to talk about what the seal of God is. It stands God's foundation stands firm bearing the seal and the Lord knows Who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from... So here is one very important characteristic to begin with. Those who are going to be sealed. Those who the Lord will seal. Are those who depart from iniquity. They depart from iniquity. In Revelation chapter 7 and in Revelation chapter 14 those who are sealed are described as those who are standing they stand next to the lamb they stand taller when the truth is told but they are not standing on their own they stand because the lamb himself is standing you know the lamb who had the appearance of having uh, been slain but now he's in reality standing that's what revelation 7 and 14 say the the lamb is standing and because he's standing his people are standing as well. They depart from iniquity. Ezekiel chapter 9. You can take time at home to read this. Ezekiel chapter 9 is a prophecy that referred to, to the time of the people of Israel. But also has an application to, uh, for the time to come. Ezekiel 9 says that those who are going to be sealed, the people of God. They depart from iniquity but more than that they mourn over the abominations of the world they mourn over the apostasy in the church they suffer with that i don't want to add anything to the biblical test text but i don't read there that they accuse anyone right that they point fingers at anyone but they mourn they suffer when they see things going wrong They suffer when they see the wrong that is done in the world. They suffer over the abominations of the world. They suffer over the apostasy in the church. You know, someone once said that it's probably easier to suffer with someone who is suffering. Than it is to rejoice with someone who is rejoicing. You know, someone comes up to you and says, I'm, you know, things are not well in my life. I'm, I'm going through this and that. And we commiserate. We suffer with that person. But maybe it's not as easy as when someone comes to you and says, you know, everything is going wonderfully well in my life. Everything, everything I prayed for is, is coming to my life. Everything is happening so well. And maybe we have a harder time uh, rejoicing with that person at that point. But you see, I would say that today the main problem we have, the predominant attitude we find is not so much rejoicing with those that rejoice or suffering with those that suffer, but it is indifference. You know, it's that I don't care or that judgmental attitude when you look at someone else. And that's what's killing many religious congregations. However, those who are sealed, those who are going to be sealed by God, they are those who express their feelings. They are those who express real concern for the spiritual wealth, welfare of others around them. They suffer and they mourn when they see the sins and the weaknesses of others and of themselves. They are never happy with that. It makes them suffer Revelation 14.4 says that the sealed were not defiled with women. That's another definition of the sealed people of God. They are virgins according to the Bible. And we know this is symbolic language. To say that they have made a commitment, a firm commitment with the Lord. And they don't look anywhere else. They have this total and complete commitment with the bridegroom, with Jesus Christ. And they strongly believe that they are called to be his. A study of the book of Revelation also helps us understand that they that the sealed have come out of great tribulation, that they have washed the robes and the blood of the Lamb, and that they have, have made have been made white. All of these are characteristics of God's people who are going to be sealed. They now stand with the Lamb, and they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Revelation 7 says this. So everything in the Bible, everything in the book of Revelation and across the Bible, indicates that those who are sealed are people who are going to be living, who are going to be alive when Jesus comes. Why? Because they come out of great tribulation. They are set apart, they are set aside... To be able to go through the great tribulation. Right? They receive the seal of God. And I would offer here that different from the experience of canning something. The people of God will be sealed not only to be preserved from external damage. From external problems. But they are also going to be sealed from to be protected against the wrath of God because the time will come and the time is very short is very near when God is going to display his judgment the results of his judgment and then the wrath of God will be over those who never accepted him who never accepted the lamb and those who were sealed them will be protected from the wrath of God they will not be shaken they will not be moved they will stand firm and strong. They will never be deceived. But they will also be protected from the wrath of God. So everything in the Bible indicates that the sealing is a process that involves people who will be living, who will be alive when Jesus comes. They will have come through great tribulations. And they will have come through the deceptions of the end time. They will come out victorious over the devil and his allies. They will come out victorious over the beast. The image of the beast and the false prophet. According to Revelation. And this is only possible. Because they are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So right here you have both. You see that they observe. They keep the commandments of God. Including the seventh day Sabbath. But all of that is possible. Because they are filled with the Spirit. Because of the indwelling presence of of the holy spirit but let's go back to second timothy and we're going to finish there second timothy chapter 2 beginning in verse 19 because all of this may seem a little theoretical but paul gives us here practical advice on how we should live our lives so that we may become part of those who are going to be sealed with the seal of god Paul says here that they depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? Lawlessness. Right? Is is a, is a conscious attitude of going against God's will. This is not talking about a casual fall, a casual fail. This is not about something that you did that you really didn't want to do. But you know, because of human nature we did it. No, this is talking about lawlessness. This is talking about going... Uh, directly against God's will, of I mean, God's uh, instructions, God's commandments. So those who are going to be sealed will depart from that. They don't want anything to do with iniquity. Verses twenty and twenty-one. It says, "Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore." If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, Paul is talking here about cleansing yourself from iniquity. Can anyone cleanse themselves? Yes or no? No. Many people are sure that they cannot, some didn't say anything. But, the truth is that we cannot cleanse ourselves from our sins. So, what is Paul talking about here? Well, he's talking about iniquity. He's talking, when, when you accept Jesus, and you surrender your life to Him, all your sins in the past will have been erased, will have been pardoned. And going forward, even though you still sin, right? But, God doesn't want to see you doing, going over the same things that you used to do in the past. You know, the Bible uses a a quite harsh expression. It says that when you are saved, when you give your life to the Lord, but then you go back to practicing the things that you used to do in the past, it is like the dog that returns to its own vomit. It's like a sow, a pig that after being cleaned, after being washed, goes back to wallowing in the mud. And you don't want to do that. You don't want anything with iniquity, with lawlessness. That's what the Bible is saying. Once you have been saved, you walk with the Lord. Now Paul is also saying here that those who cleanse themselves, right? Which means those who live a life with the Lord and, and ask Him to give them strength. And through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit live a life that is honorable. That's what Paul is saying here they will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy useful to the master of the the house and ready for every what good work now can good works save you are you sure they cannot they cannot save you they cannot recommend you for anything good works cannot do anything for your salvation so why is paul talking about good works well remember in Revelation in the letters to the in the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, the churches are quite often called to return to their first love, to return to their first works. Well, good works cannot save anyone, but once you return to your first love, once you live in your first love, first works, the good works will just come out. As a result of your walk with the Lord. So that's what Paul is saying. Once the Spirit is dwelling inside of you, you'll be prompted to do good works, to do the works that the Lord wants you to do. Verse 22 says, Flee youthful passions, youthful lusts. And you know, this, what initially, what first comes to mind, and and that's one of the meanings, is sexual immorality. But also you should flee youthful passions. Those things that you used to think when you were a new believer. You're not so sure. Maybe you were still being deceived by some other things. But now as you mature as a Christian in Christ. And you mature in your walk with him. You are not attached to those things anymore. You know who you serve. And you know who is your Lord. In verse 23 we see that Paul is encouraging us to have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies or discussions you know that they breed quarrels that's the only thing they breed so you don't want anything to do with that many times even when we are right we may spend so much time in quarrels and squabbles you know that it's not it's not fruitful So, Paul is saying, even when you're right, you should not find yourself stuck to unfruitful discussions. And imagine when sometimes we're not even right. And we discuss and make a big deal of things that are absolutely non-essential. But they consume so much energy and generate squabble and, and argument and fight. And Paul is telling us to stand to stay away from that. Verse 24 says that the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. The only way we may be able to teach someone is when they, they trust us. right? They have to trust us so you can teach them something. So Paul is saying we must be gentle to all. We must be able to teach, to be patient, and in humility... Reach out to everybody. So, my brothers and sisters, this morning I would offer that this is a good, a good and excellent picture of what sanctification is all about. That, like Revelation says, we keep God's commandments, but we also live a life that has the live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit leads us, directs us in everything we should do. The very, the true Christian will afflict their own soul for their own sins and for the sins of others. They will search their own heart to find what is not right with the Lord. And as far as our dealings with others are concerned, we are firm to principle but we are loving We're faithful to God. We're gentle to our fellow brothers and sisters. So if I could summarize it. What is is the seal of God? What is the sealing of God's people the Bible talks about? Well, the very imprint of God is the seventh day Sabbath. It's the outward seal, the outward uh, expression. But it's moved by an inner change. It's moved by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. And it comes only through faith. You know, if I were to ask here in this congregation here on this Saturday, on the Sabbath, if I were to ask you, do you understand what the Bible says about the seventh-day Sabbath? I'm sure that most of you, the majority here, would say, yes, I do understand. I do understand that it's a true sign, as Ezekiel 20:12 says, is a true sign of God uh, between God and His people is a seal of God between God and his people. But if you think, uh, how are we going to stand the great tribulation that will come in the future? It's not so much about asking you if you believe on the Sabbath or not. It's about, about a whole gamut of deception that may come your way, that will come our way. And the only way we can stand for the truth is if we have... An immovable faith in God. And you remember that faith is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's through the indwelling of the Spirit that we can have that faith. That firm foundation according to Paul's words here in 2 Timothy 2.19. So what is the seal of God? What's the sealing of God? In Last Day Events by Ellen White, page 220, I read... It is a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so that you cannot be moved. And in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 213, Courage, fortitude, faith, and implicit trust in God's power to save do not come in a moment. These heavenly graces are acquired by the experience of years by a life of holy endeavor and firm adherence to the right the children of god were sealing their destiny go forward my brothers and sisters i can only speak briefly upon this point at this time these points at this time merely calling your attention to the necessity of preparation search the scriptures for yourselves that you may understand the fearful solemnity of the present hour, you know, my dear brothers and sisters, the time we have is now, the opportunity we have is now. While it's day, let's walk with the Lord. Nothing will come in a moment. You know, the Lord can, the Lord can fill, uh, the Lord can fill in any gaps in your spiritual relationship with him, in regard to knowledge. The Lord can give you knowledge in in one day, in one hour. That may be in 20 years you never got. He can do that. He can impart knowledge. But for you to, to show the fruit of the Spirit, for you to have a walk with the Lord that will manifest, in a life of gentleness, of patience, of love, and of true faith, and allegiance to the truth, That comes only through time. It comes only over time, time that we spend with the Lord. So, this is my appeal for you this morning that we may not only spend time with the Lord for knowledge, so that we may be intellectually uh, uh, convicted of things, but that we may spend time with the Lord so that our lives will be transformed. And that we can find in the Bible the real truth. And where we must stand for. May the Lord bless you all. Amen.